Vicki Rupert McMahon, Chief Executive of the Cleveland Metropolitan Bar Association. We're excited to bring you this week's My Bar Story. Throughout 2023, the CMBA will be hosting a series of podcasts that have created a living legacy in honor of our 150th anniversary. The response has been amazing, and these conversations are being shared around Northeast Ohio and even the world. Now let's get started with another bar story. Start with introductions. Mm -hmm. Hi, my name's Melanie Shakarian. I'm an attorney, and I'm the Director of Development and Communications at Legal Aid. And my name's Josh Rovinger. I'm an attorney in the Economic Justice Practice Group at Legal Aid. Josh, it's so wonderful to work with you. And we have a pretty special connection to the bar. Um, This year, I'm serving as the Legal Aid representative on the Bar Association Board. And next year... Yeah, I'll be taking that spot. I'm very grateful to the leaders at Legal Aid for entrusting me with that opportunity and looking forward to deepening my connection with the bar and Legal Aid's connection with the bar. Um, Melody, I'd love to hear about your experience as Legal Aid's representative on the bar. Well, it's quite an honor. You know, the Bar Association and Legal Aid, we've had such a close relationship for so many years. Legal Aid is 118 years old this year. And of course, if the bar is celebrating their 150th, it's an older sibling who we do really close work with over time. So it's been impressive uh, to see how the bar has been able to grow and change, especially post-COVID, to involve more people. And um, it's exciting to celebrate this legacy year together. But Josh, tell us a little bit more. Why did you decide to go into law? Sure. I was in high school at the same time that legislatures around the country were passing gay marriage bans, and that was being used as um, a wedge political issue. That experience, simultaneous to my own um, realization of my own sexual orientation, put into view both broader power dynamics and ways in which the law can be used to either help or actively harm um, disenfranchised or vulnerable individuals. Um, and so from that point on, I had an interest in, in going to law school and kind of through college, set my eyes on that on that path. That is really, really cool. And just, I think, also taking action and how we can all take action in so many different ways, but you can make a career out of taking action and doing better for the community. And that's one of the things that I think is really special about where we work at Legal Aid, um, that we not only are doing meaningful work for the community, but really with the community. It's just a, a privilege to be able to have a have a career and a job doing that. But what about you, Melody? What, what kind of brought you to law school and, and now your position with development and communications at Legal Aid? When I was a little girl, one of my favorite Christmas movies was Miracle on 34th Street. And at the end of the movie, when you know they're, they're litigating really the existence of Santa Claus, in order to prove the existence of Santa Claus, the attorney calls in the postal service and all of the mail poured onto the judge's desk. And just that idea of a moment to help change people's minds and think of things through a different light was inspiring to me as a little girl. But then growing up in Cleveland, in the city limits of Cleveland, and Ray Pianca was my councilman and then was housing court judge. But when he was a public servant, he had a really fun TV show that was on, I think, like, you know, a random Cleveland cable channel where he went around to houses that had housing code violations 
and walked people through sort of like this old house style and showed people how easy it was to access some city services to get some extra help to repair your roof, to improve the conditions of your home and ultimately make the community a better place. And so Judge Bianca always inspired me. I watched probably every episode of that TV show he had, but it showed me in, in, in the civil realm, there are things that can happen in your own community to make the community a healthier and safer place for folks to live. And I think that's why I ended up at Legal Aid and getting more involved in the Bar Association. Yeah, so so on that note, I, th- I think that's exactly right, that there are ways right here in Cleveland and in our community to make a difference. I'm curious what you're kind of most proud of in your career working with community members and with Legal Aid. The partnership, of course, with the Cleveland Metropolitan Bar Association, Partnerships at different points in time um, through my career at Legal Aid, whether it be with funders, with local governments, with the state government, federal government, to improve access to justice for individuals. And I think access is so important in our democracy. We have to have that ability for us to adjust grievances, to have an opportunity to open people's minds and partnerships that have enabled access for many people. And I've been at Legal Aid almost 20 years, and it's been fun to see how we can make change. Um, and sometimes change takes a little while. Sometimes it moves more quickly, but it's inspirational to see when we can bring people together. What do you wish that you had known when you had first started your legal career that you know now that you could go back and tell yourself, Josh? (laughs) I think that there's no kind of one right path that you have to follow. There's no straight line that you're, you know, that you absolutely have to take and that um, your career may zig and zag and present different opportunities. um, And you should, you know, seize those opportunities and not focus on this vision of like the the straight line kind of perfect career that I think a lot of us in law school are told to envision um, and expect. That That's probably the biggest thing. And I think it's taken me a while to appreciate that. Um, and, you know, I, I think like looking at the kind of the trajectory of my career thus far, I think because of the different opportunities that I've been very fortunate to have, um, I've also gotten to experience things and, and practice in certain ways that I wouldn't otherwise have gotten to. Being open-minded, for sure. Definitely. And I think in law school, I remember I worked my way through law school knowing I wanted to do public interest law and then seeing in first and second year, the you know way early in the school year, the the on-campus interviews happening and thinking, am I making the wrong choice? And you just have to make the right choice for what's right for you at that moment. And <laughs> Yeah, I think I think that's exactly right. I'm curious if you ever think about kind of going back into going into practice or if you miss that aspect of law. It's funny, you know, people don't realize what a large law firm we work at at Legal Aid. We have 75 attorneys and 50 other staff, and I'm one of the executives at the law firm. And I never thought I'd be in law firm management, but it is a law firm that really cares about people. Our our mission um, is is our bottom line. So, and given my role at Legal Aid, I, you know, help raise funds and find supporters and build partnerships. In a different life, I probably would have been a rainmaker in a big law firm, but it just also, this is the right right fit for me now. What about you? What led you to legal aid ultimately in your career? Since law school, I've had some experience in legal aid. I was fortunate in law school to have a two-year continuous clinic in which I had the opportunity to represent victims of domestic violence. And after that time, some of my experience before moving to Cleveland was also in legal aid. 
after moving here and after working at a wonderful law firm here and learning a ton, I think the pandemic made it a necessity for me to get back into public interest law and to be really doing work with the most vulnerable community members. And legal aid is really the premier spot to do that in Northeast Ohio, in large part due to Colleen, to Tom, but also to you, Melanie. Um, and so you say you're the right fit right now. And I am thankful to hear that because I think <laughs> we are functioning as we do with large part because of your work. That's kind of you to say, but oh my goodness, silver linings of COVID, right? Exactly. Every day, you know, and when, I mean, COVID definitely was difficult for so many of our community members, but I try to look on the bright side and where are there silver lines of COVID. And every day I try to find one. And, and one today is knowing that you ended up at Legal Aid maybe because of the pandemic. So that's really cool. But I, pre- really I cool. appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> Career challenges or obstacles. How do you navigate them? You know, it's something that I think post-COVID I've thought a lot more about as I've seen friends have challenges in their jobs and make choices to move. But I think, you know, having the long view long term, sometimes thinking about how much can I see the forest through the trees, right? Helps a lot. What gives you that perspective? How, when you encounter a career challenge and like making that choice during the pandemic to even move jobs, how did you navigate them? It's hard. <laughs> and stressful. It's stressful. For me, my husband plays a big part in that, just having someone whose opinion I treasure and, and value so much. Um, and so being able to step back and kind of work through things with him and also having kind of the pers- his his perspective. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And like he knows me so well at this point that he knows what will work and what won't for me. Yeah. Um, so that's probably the that's probably where I'll, I'll go on this one. What about you? I think uh, definitely that out of the office perspective, my husband, my kids, you know, having you can have a tough day at work, but then you come home to this this other life and it definitely helps give you perspective. And I think, you know, that was one thing during COVID I definitely recognized was a privilege because having the to navigate the ins and outs of of practicing law, doing legal work, helping our community during COVID, but then simultaneously seeing it through my kids' eyes with remote schooling and um, everybody was having challenges and it was good to have that perspective of um, my kids navigating that as well as my husband who's a teacher watching how his workplace navigated. And honestly, it gave me a really wonderful and positive perspective of my work at Legal Aid in terms of how well we took care of our own staff and the focus that we had on our client community, like we never we never closed during COVID, but we were able to ensure the the safety and, and health of our staff by allowing everybody to work remote when we needed to right from day one, which was which was pretty cool. But also, I think during COVID, understand that there's new ways to do things like we have these virtual clinics and the Bar Association worked with us and helped us find volunteers for some of those. And now we can have a volunteer attorney who lives in Lorraine County and helps somebody seal a criminal record in Ashtabula County. And we weren't doing that, you know, before COVID. So I think through career challenges like that and um, and obstacles, opportunity is often found, which is nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think that is exactly right. I mean, I think in, in many ways, it still feels like individually and as a society, we're still digging out of the pandemic and and at least for me personally, kind of making sense of what we all just collectively went through. 
And I think it's also true that there have been developments as a result of the pandemic, which allow us to amplify the reach that we have in ways that we wouldn't have even thought of before. Let's go back to our legal careers and the Bar Association. What has been beneficial about being a member of the Bar Association from your perspective? I um, am not a native Clevelander. Uh, I'm sure many people may have just turned off the podcast, but I, I am not from here, but my husband is. And in late 2019, we decided to move from Boston to be closer to his family, to set up uh, a home and, and put our roots in here. The confluence of moving here and not really knowing anyone in the profession with a global pandemic, which made it more difficult to meet new folks um, and interact with other attorneys, made it a necessity for me to try and find um, some way to have community um, with like-minded folks um, and other attorneys. Um, and so f- that's really what the bar has been for me, that it is outside of the firms that I've worked out here, a way to uh, get to know, interact with, and form relationships with other attorneys in the area, in particular, other queer attorneys um, on the LGBTQ plus committee. You led that committee, no? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, we had the privilege um, of the past for the past two-ish years of of leading that committee, which has been a great experience and um, a really, re- really the only avenue in Northeast Ohio for queer attorneys. Um, and so it's it's been a really special experience. That is very cool. Not every Metropolitan Bar Association, I think, has a history of of such welcoming as ours does. So I think we're pretty pretty lucky. How about you? What's what's your bar story? How did you get started? Yeah, I mean, I became a student member when I was at Case Western. And, you know, they give the free membership to students. And I totally was hooked in on that. But of course, now at Legal Aid, we support all of our attorneys and do the the full membership for all of our attorneys. And I've enjoyed experiences over time when I was early in my career and doing immigration law. The immigration section was really, really beneficial and helpful. The women in law section been active at different points in time over the last 20 years. But the Justice for All Committee has been really terrific and great partners with Legal Aid. As we launched our pro se divorce clinics at Legal Aid, they were instrumental in helping us find volunteers, say yes to education, volunteers for that. And there's been really great leaders of the Justice for All Committee over time. And then in being on the board and getting a different perspective of how bar engagement has changed, you know, during and post-COVID. And our our bar, I think, is at the leading edge of, you know, staying relevant for and uh, highlighting what that return on investment is for members of, of the community. But pre- people also just practice law differently now. So it's going to be five more years from now, it'll change again. And who knows what, what things look like. But I do see our bar will be around and thriving through it all. That definitely seems right to me. And I think highlighting that connection between legal aid and the bar not only resonates with me, but it's just so important. I mean, we have a we have a very large staff at legal aid, but there's only so many clients that we can serve even with our large staff. And um, I think it, through partnerships with the CMBA and other attorneys in the area, that really is a way um, that in the past we've been able to and 
definitely moving forward and that we can provide our services to even more people. So Josh, who has um, most influenced your career? Are there any particular attorneys either here in town or elsewhere or even a TV attorney, for goodness <laughs> sake, Perry Mason, I don't know. <laughs> I think for me, it's the two judges that I clerked for, yeah. which I suspect is a common answer for those uh, who had the clerkship opportunity. But I, so I clerked for Judge Michael Ponzer, uh, in the District of Massachusetts, and uh, Judge Jeffrey Howard on the First Circuit Court of Appeals. And the two of them, I think, influenced my thinking, not only with respect to how to think about law, but how to uh, have a career in the law and just be a good person. Um, both of them are the smartest and kindest people I have ever met, um, without a doubt have shaped what I have done and hope to do in my career. Have I, who's, who's your most influential attorney? Oh my goodness. That's like picking a favorite child for sure for me. But I, I'm, I am going to say Gail Masterman and, and Susan Jaros, two women attorneys who really were ahead of their time. And when I first started Legal Aid, Gail Masterman was volunteering for Legal Aid, trying to get Legal Aid to develop more of a robust fundraising arm so we could do more incredible work in the community. She was a past CMBA president, one of the first female CMBA presidents, and a, a really amazing criminal defense attorney. In getting to know her through her legal aid work and learning the history of our, our local bar through her eyes. And, you know, it's not always, it's not the prettiest history, the way they've treated women and um, attorneys of color over time. But I think she she saw opportunity and growth and saw promise in that, that, you know, people can change and institutions can change and things can change for the better. So she's always been quite an inspiration to me. And Susan Jaros, who started practicing law in Cleveland, but then she ended up doing what I'm doing now, um, fundraising for really important local Cleveland organizations. And I think um, uh, I see every day my skills as an attorney <laughs> are very important as you persuade people to give to a good cause. And I've learned a lot of that from from Susan Jaros. So if I'm going to flip the question around a little bit and say in 10 years when it's the Legacy 160 podcast <laughs> and someone's sitting here saying that you're their most influential attorney, what do you hope that they say? Oh, what a good question, Josh. <laughs> That I helped open doors for other people and provided access. And whether that is through the civil justice work we do at Legal Aid or some of the inclusion work here at the Bar Association, that doors were open for other people. That's the kind of legacy I hope. I hope I leave my kids for sure. So what about you? What would your legacy 160 be? Oh, I have to answer this question too. <laughs> I think for me, the most, the two most important things are one – treating that that I treated everyone with respect and kindness as a human not everyone I'll never be 100% but uh, that I was just a a respectful and, and kind attorney and tried to make the world a little bit better for individuals in the community you're doing that already but, Josh it's very cool very cool <laughs> what's one thing a standout moment from your legal career that you're like wow I never thought I'd get to do this but I don't know that I ever conceived of this before it happened, um, but it's by far the thing I'm most proud of in my career. I was working on a case on, on behalf of 
about 200,000 students who had been defrauded by their school and were seeking redress from the U.S. Department of Education. And in the period between filing the complaint and about two and a half weeks later filing um, our motion for class certification, um, I led our team on an effort to um, solicit, work on, finalize, ensure for accuracy, uh, about 892 affidavits of class members who, in ways that we could not, um, could directly share their experiences with their schools and then their experiences vis-a-vis the federal government and and the impact of not getting relief from the federal government on their lives. And just being able to kind of put that together and present kind of that many narratives to the court and put these voices directly to the court was just a really an experience that I'm exceedingly proud of when I think back on it. Storytelling is so important. It's why we're doing this podcast, right? <laughs> and like, I think storytelling helps change people's minds. And it's, I think, a, a lost art sometimes in the legal profession as we like focus on the procedural, right? You had almost 200 statements from people that shared their personal experience that went to the permanent record. That's really amazing. And it helped. I think it helped change people's minds. No, I think I think you're right about kind of the importance of narrative and storytelling. And you know, I think as attorneys, it's always important to step back and think that this isn't my case. This isn't my story. I can convey it to the court, but ultimately, it's somebody else's experience that they are the expert on. I think we were able to capture that with all that written testimony that we were able to put before the court. That's really great. That's very cool. You know, one of the things that the bar has really focused on throughout its history and, and recently is the importance of uh, the rule of law. And, you know, obviously at Legal Aid, that is something we care deeply about. Melanie, I'm just curious um, what your thoughts are on how both Legal Aid and the bar can, can continue moving forward, contributing to upholding the rule of law. I think it's it's been wonderful to see the thought leadership committee of the bar and some of the presentations and opportunities that the bar has created in recent years to make sure that the rule of law is front and center. And the rule of law to me means everybody is treated fairly, there's access, and everybody is accountable to the same laws. We can't have a functioning democracy without respecting the rule of law. And so the role that the Bar Association has played in educating people on that, I think, is is absolutely terrific and paramount. And legal aid, you know, we live that every day in um, the access that we provide to our justice system for our clients. And um, we do that in partnership, of course, not just with our staff, but with the volunteers that help us out. What does it mean personally to you, rule of law, Josh? I don't know that I'm going to directly answer answer this question. I'm just when I when I think about the rule of law and the importance of the rule of law, my mind immediately goes to the importance of a multicultural democracy and the kind of intersection of the rule of law and where our democracy is going. So you know, I step back and think about one of the things I'm most proud of about working at Legal Aid is that in our new uh, strategic plan, we have explicitly dedicated ourselves to becoming an anti-racist organization, um, both how we operate internally and how we face the world. And for me, that is not separate from the question of the rule of law and you know what democracy looks like in this country and how it's sustained. 
I think we obviously have a, a very long way to go in tearing down a lot of the structural racist barriers that still exist to this day. One of the things I am very proud of about working at Legal Aid is that we are dedicated to focusing on that and seeing the connection between that work and upholding the rule of law and democracy more generally. I mean, the arc of the moral universe bends towards justice, exactly. but it's continuous, right? Like we always have to strive towards that perfection. And but it's it's a process and a journey. Maybe not a straight line, right? Like we talked about earlier, but it we can continuously work to get there. So. Yeah, I, th- I think that's exactly right. And I think it to your point, like it it, it bends because folks in the community are forcing it to bend. Yeah. We have to be active for sure. Josh, it was a great pleasure doing this together with you. Thank you for being my colleague and friend and fellow member of the bar. Thank you. This was such a great conversation and always a pleasure to spend time with you. Thank you for joining us for another edition of My Bar Story. We appreciate the hundreds of you who have downloaded and subscribed to this podcast. Let's keep this conversation going. Visit clemetrobar.org forward slash podcast to listen, subscribe, and to schedule a recording of your own bar story. See you next week.